0: So yes, as Xavier had said uh, a couple of days ago, I came down with the, the bug, the cold bug. And uh, last night, actually, I was like, I ah, may not be preaching tomorrow. And then the Lord blessed with a good night sleep and feeling better right now. And so thank for that. Um, amen. Uh, so anyway, so with that, you can probably hear a little bit in my uh, my voice, a little deeper than normal, yeah, a rich buttery tone of uh, sickness, um, but also a little weepy today. Uh, so I will see if we get through this message without me gushing. And you know, the problem with gushing for me, uh, some people like Laura, she can cry and worship at the same time. Like when I start crying, it's just it's just messy, and I can't say anything, and uh, like literally goes right to my my vocal cord. So. Um, Lord, have your way. Amen. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but uh, over the last few years, uh, there's, uh, I'm kind of getting tired of the same old words. Uh, pandemic. Anybody tired of that word? Oh, my gosh. Now, it's a real thing. It's happening. But, you know, it's like, can we, can we move on to a different word? How about masks? Tired of that one? shutdowns maybe that's kind of starting to go away a little bit vaccine anybody tired of vaccine right that's a word that's just everywhere some other words that are out there that have been really popular the last few years is racism defunding the police specifically immigration war abortion yeah that's not so bad maybe but you know and then insurrection These are words that have been dominating our conversation for the last few years, and I am so glad that we've got a new word to talk about. (laughs) I am so glad that there is a new word that is starting to get spoken of more and more. Matter of fact, I have spoken this word more in the last couple of weeks than I have spoken it probably in my entire life combined before then. What is the word? Amen. Now, the word revival certainly isn't a new word. It's not something that we just discovered, right? It's not something we just made up. That word's been around really since the very beginning. Consider Adam and Eve in the garden. The moment after Eve bites from that apple and, and, and her husband takes part as well, We needed a word, we needed a word that helped us to, a word that spoke to our need for the Lord to come and to revive us. The Lord to come and to ignite our hearts once again with a desire and a passion to do his will and for his will to be done. Lord, your will be done. I think throughout scripture we see both individual and corporate revivals. Abram was revived when God said, hey, follow me. Go where I tell you to the land I'll show you. Moses, while while bowing to a burning bush, had his heart revived. The Israelites, of course, after hundreds of years in the promised land and and rejecting God's will, yet finally, Josiah, the king Josiah, sees God's word and reads God's law, and what happens? But Israelite experiences a revival. I think one of the most shocking revivals in Scripture is that of the pagan city, Nineveh. Can you imagine the struggle that Jonah went through, wait a second, these are pagans, (laughs) the spirit doesn't pour out on pagans. But the most famous and actually the most detailed biblical account of revival is found in the New Testament book, Acts It could be considered by some uh, that it's a coincidence in light of the recent events at Asbury University, which many are describing now as the beginning of the next great revival, that today I happen to be starting a series on the book of Acts. Or perhaps some of you may think or consider that your opportunu- op- opportunistic pastor, <laughs> seeing the recent event, said, Hey, let's bit ditch, you know, oh man, that was weird. Let's ditch the other things that I was going to do. And instead, let's go ahead and let's do acts. But neither of these are true. Hopefully, if you've walked with Jesus for some time, you realize that when there is an all-powerful, all-knowing, sovereign God, that there are no coincidences. And just so you know, as your pastor, the book of Acts has been on my heart for years now, actually. I was excited when he finally told me in early November that this year would be the year to preach through Acts. (laughs) Maybe to add a little bit uh, more, uh, to build things up a little bit more, I just have to say that it seems obvious to me that the Spirit has already been bringing revival to this church. The number of people that are coming to our pre-service prayer has increased significantly in the last couple of months. I've been amazed to hear the testimonies of individual folks in our church expressing and giving, test of, uh, t- giving witness to the Spirit's move in their own heart. Even this week, I know of several families in our church that got together on Monday night with their kids, and the Holy Spirit came, and there was repentance, and there was life change, and there was even prophecies happening in that moment. I had the privilege on Tuesday night to experience one of the greatest prayer meetings I've ever been to here in the cafe down here in the church. The Spirit has already begun to revive us. The Spirit is moving, not just in Asbury, but also here in our small church. Praise the Lord. Amen. While there is certainly some debate over whether what's happening in Asbury and even here is true revival, we shouldn't allow the debate to distract us from what really matters. All Christians should be asking for revival. We all should be longing for God to do a new work in us, to ignite a fire in our hearts for Jesus. I personally have been prompted by the Spirit to pray for revival in my heart, in my church, and in my nation for over a year now. I recognize there are still areas of my life that are not fully surrendered to him. I know my will is not fully aligned with his. I know I need him to gain more control of my life and for his Spirit to manifest more fully in me. I need my heart to burn more completely for the lost. My pride needs to be crushed. And in humility, I need to serve others more sacrificially. I need to enjoy more fully my relationship with Jesus. And I need to more completely join Jesus in what he is doing. How about you? Amen. <laughs> not only is it fitting for us to, in the midst of what could be and seems like is a revival, to open up the book of Acts and explore what is happening in this first revival, it seems like it would be like foolish not to. <laughs> right? When, when revival shows up, you start reading about the great revivals in the past. Have you? I know I have. <laughs> the great revivals in scripture. Have you, have you gone back to it? Well, let's get to it this year. Let's go through the book of Acts. Let's see what the Bible teaches about revival. Let's see what the Lord has directed us for what is revival so that we can know for sure and so that we can make sure that it's about him and not about us. It seems to me the book of Acts at its foundation is about joining Jesus Oftentimes, the book of Acts is called the Acts of the the Apostles. It is an understandable and it's accurate description of this book because it indeed does track the different actions of the disciples throughout the first few years as the church grew and developed and became what it is today. But it seems to me that title, Acts of the Apostles, Focuses our attention in the wrong spot. It was not the followers of Jesus who built his church. It was Jesus. It wasn't the disciples coming up with their own strategies and using their own power to spread the gospel. It was Jesus. The apostles were wonderful. They were wonderful. They were courageous. They were devoted men. But it isn't because of their greatness that the church exploded. It was Jesus. Acts 1, 1 to 11. I think we have it on the screen here. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do, teach, until the day when he was taken up. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. jesus has been taken from you into heaven but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go note in jesus's final instructions he doesn't say to the disciples all right i've trained you guys up really well I've got you all set to go. So now take the things that I've given you, the the gifts that I've helped you to develop and the words and the truths that I've helped you to understand, the lessons I've taught you now, and go out and build my church. It's going to be amazing. Is that what Jesus says? His final words? Kind of shocking, actually. What does he say? He says, wait. I'm sorry, but Jesus was not very good at this motivational speaker stuff. (laughs) right? I mean, think about it. Like here he is, like talk about like this mic drop moment. He is like literally beginning to hover in the air and floating up into the sky, right? And he's giving these last final instructions. And what does he tell them to do? Wait, what? I mean, talk about missing an opportunity, he had them all in a, in, a, in a tizzy, right? I'm sure, I can imagine that some of the disciples were probably jumping around going, oh my gosh, this is amazing, this is awesome. Jesus, he's doing his thing, right? And they had to have been just fired up and ready to go into the whole world and share the gospel and make a difference and do it for Jesus. Jesus says, wait. But why does Jesus say, wait? It's obvious, right? Because he knows they can't do it under their own power. They're not strong enough. They're not trained enough. They're not spiritual enough to build his church. They could not endure the trials they will face by themselves. They could not bring one person into the kingdom of God. They needed his spirit. But more than that, they needed to join Jesus. They didn't know where to start or what to do. They didn't have the words to say or the wisdom to make right decisions. So Jesus told them to wait for the baptism of the Spirit so that he could give them eyes to see what Jesus was doing so that they could join him. They needed the Spirit to reveal Jesus' words so they knew what to speak out. They needed the spirit to give them the wisdom of Jesus to make right decisions. They needed the spirit to continuously empower them in order to join Jesus as he built his kingdom. The book of Acts is not about what the disciples did. It's about what Jesus did by empowering his followers through the Holy Spirit to join him in his work. And this remains true to this day. we still need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We need it so that we can see what Jesus is doing and so that we can be empowered to join him in what we see him doing. Fact is, many Christians, pastors, missionaries, churches have attempted to build the kingdom of God without the Spirit. I read a book uh, some years ago by Kent Carlson and Mike Lucan. It's titled Renovation of the Church. These are uh, pastors in a basically a, a very large, almost mega church size in Southern California of about 2,000 people. And they had done it really well. They had figured it out. It was a seeker-friendly uh, church, and they had figured out how to find success. But the problem is they were finding success without the Spirit. And one day, the Spirit showed up at one of their staff meetings. And he asked them this simple question, what are you doing on Sunday mornings that requires my spirit to show up in order for it to be successful? Radically changed their perspective and radically changed the way they started doing Sunday mornings. And as a result, the Lord rewarded them by cutting their their church in over more than half. Amen. Amen. but their church needed the spirit to show up. Truth is us wealthy, ambitious, and charismatic Americans. We're very, we're very good at leading successful churches without the spirit. We've made church leadership and church growth a science. Of course, we, you know, we're Christians. So our leadership books always include, you know, sections for the Holy Spirit. And, you know, depending on how charismatic you are, anywhere from 10 to 50 percent of the growth of a church is dependent on the Spirit. (laughs) Now, don't get me wrong. It's no, I don't think any pastor's intention to build a church without the Holy Spirit. But unfortunately, we too often can fall into identifying numbers and emotion as proof of the spirit's work. Fact is, we've got worship pastors that are really good at putting together songs and lyrics and chords in order to create an emotional experience in our worship services. Moreover, we have preachers who are preachers who have the same ability to manipulate the audience. Hopefully you understand oratory expertise and the use of rhetorical principles are things that a a preacher can use in order to inspire a crowd. Mm -hmm. But while these worship services and messages are most often seen as spirit-filled, in actuality they have no more spirit power in them than a common rock concert or motivational speaker. To be clear, we here at Trinity Alliance Church are just as susceptible of following in, falling into that trap. And you need to know that Laura and I have talked many times about this power that we have. We both strive to hold carefully this power and purposely choose to avoid manipulating you to a response. We desire a genuine movement of the Spirit We want to have an authentic encounter with Jesus and are purposeful about trying to get out of the way. Like the unremarkable message given in chapel at Asbury University, the day revival broke out there, the spirit does not need hype in order to move. Actually, impassioned worship and messages can be a great hindrance to his work. It is vital for us to understand that true success in building the kingdom of God is always initiated by Jesus. It's always empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the one who is pursuing and drawing lost souls to himself. Jesus is the one who is inviting and offering greater intimacy with him. Jesus is the one who is calling his people to join him in his work. Our job is not to build the church It's to join Jesus. Our job is not to serve the church. It's to follow and join Jesus. Our job is not to create revival. It is to follow and join Jesus. We must trust that through the indwelling of his spirit, we will see what Jesus is doing and be empowered to join him wherever it is. What we see in the book of Acts is Jesus building his kingdom, evangelizing the lost and serving his people. Acts tracks the events of Jesus establishing his church and how his followers joined him in his work. As we read and study Acts, we must keep our attention on the two main characters and no. Those two main characters are not Peter and Paul, but Jesus and the Holy Spirit. They are the ones who deserve the credit. Peter and Paul and all the rest of the followers of Jesus named in the book are only significant in as far as we see how the Spirit empowered them to join Jesus in building his kingdom. We, too, can expect similar empowerments and similar results if we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Matthew 11, verses 29 and 30, again on the screen. Take my yoke, Jesus says, upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Notice that Jesus is gentle and lowly. He does not force himself himself, into our lives. He longs to release the burdens we carry, but he will not force us to do so. He wants us to choose. He lets us choose. He wants nothing more than to help us, but he waits for us to lay it down. He is ready to bring revival into our hearts, but we must open our hearts to revival the temptation think about this the temptation for the disciples had to have been great great. as i kind of already outlined like they had to be filled with so much excitement as jesus ascends to heaven they had to be like i think this is going to be great and and yet jesus gives them the instructions to wait i i bet in their minds like wait What are you talking about, Jesus? Let's go now. I'm sure as they were going back to Jerusalem, they're like, okay, who can we tell about this experience? How how can we go around and tell everybody? We got to start this thing now. We don't have any time. I'm so excited, right? But they didn't. They resisted that temptation to do what they wanted. And instead, they heard the commands of the Lord and they followed him. They were obedient to him. The choice to obey Jesus is key to joining him. We actually see throughout the book of Acts, the followers of Jesus are faced over and over again with a choice. Are you going to do the will of God, or are you going to do your own will? And Jesus had more to say to them than just waiting. Jesus challenged the disciples to join him in actions that go against their will. In actions that go against their desires, against their comforts, against their relationships, against their traditions, and even against their theology. Throughout the book of Acts, Jesus will invite them to participate in things they don't have the capacity or the power to do. And he will push against their fears, their limits, their weaknesses, and call them to trust him. As good Christians, when and when someone asks us, are you willing to follow Jesus wherever he leads? <laughs> we always like, yeah, you bet. I'm ready, right? Of course, I'm a good Christian. But really, I think that's not always the case. Whether we realize it or not, we all have areas in our life that are off limits to God. Some of us full-time missions, full-time missions, is too far. For others, we are great stewards of God, of all God has given us. Excuse me, we are great stewards of all God has given us, and thereby refuse any suggestion that we should give it all away to the poor. Others have a firm theological foundation that will protect them from being fooled by silly emotions and supernatural manifestations. And still others have such an intimate relationship with Jesus, we don't need to memorize and study scripture. As a pastor, it's my job to follow Jesus. And certainly throughout most of my life, that's been the case. I've sought to surrender to him no matter what the call I've recounted several times from here about my call into lead pastor role, a a role that I didn't want, a role that I was kind of like Moses, like, ah, I think you picked the wrong guy. A role that I, everything inside me said no. More recently, in November November and December, I felt like the Spirit began to make, uh, gave me a clear sense that revival was indeed just around the corner but more than that that the revival would include include clear spiritual manifestations but due to my fear i've actually sought to temper my words in november and december i've mostly shied away from bold predictions and instead used terms like it seems to me or my sense is but it's time for me to let go of my fear and speak boldly and plainly what the Lord is showing me. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great. Revival is here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not talking about what's happened in Nazbury, talking what's happened in this church. Understand, I would not be preaching this message if the Lord had not drawn me in to be praying for revival over a year ago he has been preparing me. And I think as he's prepared me and as I, he's given me courage to speak it out to you, that he's been preparing you. If, if, there had been, if we hadn't been praying about revival, if we hadn't been thinking about it or, 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 or having any kind of anticipation or expectation of it, if there was no thought of it in our mind, and then all of a sudden what happened to Asbury happened, I would stand and say, hey, it looks like maybe there's revival going on, but I don't know. But because I feel like the Holy Spirit has been preparing us for over a year now, maybe more than that, maybe a top couple of years now, I don't know, but he's been preparing us because that's been clear. Yeah. And now, over the last few months, what we've been seeing in our services on Sunday mornings, as people are coming more and more to receive prayer at the end of the service, not because of great preaching, but because the Holy Spirit is moving. Amen. So I stand before you today to say, Boldly, loudly, clearly. Revival is here. Maybe you've not experienced it yet. But don't doubt that we are in the midst of an awakening. How great it is, we don't know yet. Perhaps you have felt his promptings, but have so far resisted them. Perhaps you've gotten a small taste, but, the thought, but thought that's all there is. But I'm here to tell you the Spirit wants to do more. He is ready to ignite a fire in you, in me, and in this church. Why? Because Jesus is full of amazing mercy and grace. And by his sovereign will, he has chosen for us to be blessed. He has begun to pour out a fresh anointing of a spirit, which will spark revival in our hearts and will result in repentance, conversions, and worship. But the question is will you choose to join Jesus and what he is doing? Will you choose to ask for an outpouring of his spirit? Will you choose to bow your knees in repentance of the sins he reveals? Will you choose to radically follow Jesus wherever he leads? Will you choose to be his witness in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to all the ends of the earth? We all must open our hearts, our minds and bodies to the power of the Holy Spirit and allow him to manifest in us however he chooses whether it it is outwardly supernatural or simply an internal quickening of our passions, whether there are internal or external healings, whether whether he convicts us of sin or inspires us to evangelism, whether we have an emotional response or just an internal determination. I don't know about you, but for me, one of the great challenges of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit is that there's some things that I'm a little afraid that he might do in me. <laughs> One of those areas is uh, just for reference, uh, the, speaking in tongues. Um, I, for a long time, had issues with tongue speakers. <clears throat> I'll use tongue speakers out there. <laughs> and, and I know there's many of you, praise the Lord. But I've had an issue with that in my own life. It's, it's a struggle point for me. It doesn't fit into my theology very well. And it's, it's not that I deny its existence and that it's real. But I just really struggle with what's, you know, what, why? Like, what are you trying to do? Why would you? And so, you know, I kind of push back against the Lord. Like, ah, okay, you know, do whatever you want. But don't give me that crazy gift of tongues, right? <laughs> I don't want to be up here saying things that people don't, ah, no, okay? Another area of struggle for me is like losing control. As a pastor, I feel responsibility for what happens here. Now, I know that the Holy Spirit is, he does his thing. But, but you know, what happens if like the, you know, if, you know, tongues of fire start coming from the ceiling, right? And like landing on people. And people start, you know, just doing all kinds of stuff and craziness. And there's people screaming out like Jesus. And there's people that are on their knees and people's worship. And there's people speaking in tongues. There's healings that are happening. What happens if all that crazy stuff happens, Lord? What do I do? How do I control it? I mean, wait a second. People are going to talk. They're going to think, oh, that crazy pastor of Trinity Alliance. Go for it. Go Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where it comes down to. But despite my concerns, I ask the Lord to help me trust him. Yes. And I refuse I refuse to limit the spirit. If he shows up, he can do whatever he wants. In me and in this church. What about you? Are you open to revival? Acts two seventeen to 21. And in the last days it shall be. God declares Interesting about revival in the Bible is that it didn't really break out while Jesus was here. Now, don't get me wrong; lots of people knew his name, like, and he healed lots and lots of people, and they would come and feeding of the five thousand. Right? I mean, all that stuff. So there's that kind of going on. So, but in thirty years of his, or thirty-three years of his life, three years of ministry. His final day is with the crowds, some perhaps who had actually been healed by him, crying out, crucify him. I mean, if anybody could bring about revival, Jesus, you think, maybe, right? But it didn't happen. Huh. Why? I believe it didn't happen because revival is not just about building his kingdom, it's about strengthening it. We see in this prophecy that we just read that the pouring out of the Spirit was on all ages, all cultures. You know, I've heard that this Asbury revival is, uh, is for, you know, the generation Z, right? Uh, praise the Lord that generation Z gets revived and all the other generations as well. Amen. Amen. Spirit was poured out on both men and women, all the classes in the culture. It's empowered in the church to draw new believers. Jesus used his people to build his kingdom. He uses those who choose to join him in the work he's doing. Now, I've talked a bit about revival today, right? But I've not really defined it. So let me end this message with a definition, a bit of defining terms here. First, I would like to encourage you. I I wrote a uh, What's Brewing article a couple of weeks ago. If you haven't read that, it's kind of on kind of responding to the Asbury revival. Um, But I encourage you to read it. But if you haven't read it, I'll just summarize briefly some of the points. Uh, Revival is uh, the movement of the spirit that results in repentance from sin, evangelistic zeal, conversions, and a deeper passion for worship. I think those are the four signs of what would be true worship. And it seems that these are the basics of what Scripture teaches about an encounter with the Spirit. Often, people talk about revival as being corporate only. So revival, we define the term revival as being, you know, this, it's, a, it's a big move of God. So like it's a corporate move of God. It's a citywide, it's a statewide, it's a nationwide, it's a worldwide, it's a move of God that's big. And while I understand the technical term of revival being seen in that way, I think it's too, it, it's too limiting. I think, the fa- I think the, that revival happens in every heart the moment they recognize that Jesus is Lord and bow their knees to him. We've all experienced revival already. If we're a Christian, we've experienced revival. That moment when we understood who Jesus was and who we were, and we fell on our face and said, Lord, you are God, and I want to worship you and follow you. Lord, forgive me for my sin. That's that's a revival. In addition, we should expect that we would experience multiple revivals throughout our lives as the Holy Spirit sparks a renewed desire for repentance, evangelism, and worship. In my mind, I was revived when I was in high school. One of the times I was revived was in high school. Went to a conference. The Lord said, hey, you know, I want you to go anywhere, anytime. I said, yes, Lord, I want to do it. I'm here. I'm revived, right? But that revival also was not just a one-time event. It has continued to be a reality in my life. It continues to happen over and over again. While repentance, evangelism, conversions, and worship are the catalyst of revival, the goal of revival is to build and strengthen the kingdom of God. It empowers the children of God, gives them greater courage, and deepens their faith in Jesus. But it also convicts the hearts of unbelievers, reveals their desperate need for Jesus, and inspires them to surrender their lives to him. Again, revival is not just a one moment in time. What happened in Asbury, we don't have to go there to get it. Also, it didn't happen just once, and now it's gone, and we missed it. Revival is something that continues to happen again throughout our life. And matter of fact, it is, God is giving me the anticipation that this year will be a year filled with, uh, with revival. Yeah. That people will continue to be revived over and over and over again throughout this year. In this church... In addition, both individual and corporate revivals include supernatural manifestations of the Spirit. Now, let me be clear, because this is where people oftentimes get a little excited and not in a Holy Spirit-excited way. (laughs) That does not mean there are always physical healings or spontaneous speaking in tongues or an outpouring of prophetic words. But it does mean that revival often includes those signs. But mostly it means that anytime the spirit steps in and does something extraordinary in our life, that in itself is supernatural. Miracles are sometimes seen with our physical eyes, but most of the time they are perceived with our spiritual internal senses. When revival comes, the Holy Spirit begins to manifest powerful miracles in our lives that will be experienced inwardly and or outwardly, all for his glory. Amen. Amen. Finally, revival comes to those who seek it. Certainly there are times when a person stumbles across revival as it worked out in the lives of those around them. And that experience with revival may have some impact on them whether they want it to or not. But all significant revival comes about because of our longing for it and our surrender to it. First, we have to want to be revived. It seems to me all Christians should want this, not just once, but over and over again. If we want to fully enjoy our relationship with Jesus Christ, we need the Spirit to continue to spark repentance, evangelism, and worship in us. But we also need to surrender to it. In other words, we need to choose it when it comes. Oftentimes, revival requires us to sacrifice areas of our life that haven't already been released. More than that, our search for revival can sometimes include conditions. <laughs> we can think we can think things like, "Lord, revive me, but don't call me to overseas missions," <laughs> or "or Lord, revive me, but don't give me the gift of tongues," <laughs> or "revive me, but don't mess with my theology." <laughs> or, now, of course, we don't actually pray these prayers, but when the moment of truth comes and the Spirit actually does quicken our hearts, these limitations come screaming forward again. Jesus is gentle and lowly. He will not force revival on you. Only when we want it, cry out for it, and choose it, will we enjoy true revival. All right. The book of Acts is a powerful book that highlights the work of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I look forward to journeying through it with you this year, but even more so, I look forward to seeing Jesus calling us to join him in his work and by his spirit empowering us to do so. As we come to the end of our service, I'd like to take a page out of Jesus' playbook. After preaching this message on revival, declaring that revival is indeed among us, And after calling each of you to open your hearts for a movement of the Spirit in you. There may be some here that are ready to jump in. Perhaps the Spirit has been stirring in you throughout this service. Perhaps he started some time ago, but it is now building into a great crescendo in your heart. If so, I'm going to do the unthinkable. Like Jesus with his disciples. I'm going to ask you to wait. In a moment, we'll be responding to what the Spirit has been saying to you in song. Normally at this time, I would call those touched by the Lord to come forward for prayer. But I'm going to ask you to stay in your seat. I'm even going to ask you to wait a couple days before responding to what you feel the Spirit is doing in your heart true revival is not emotionalism. It's not something, something conjured up by a passionate sermon or manipulated by a powerful series of praise songs. It is sparked by the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I can struggle to discern between my emotions and true spiritual zeal. So I ask you to wait Wait for the spirit to show you the truth of his call. If what you are feeling is real, you will not be able to shake what is happening. Wait, but continue to listen and continue to expect his inspiration. For those of you who have yet to sense the spirit's movement in your heart, Perhaps you've been sitting through this service and you're like, oh, revival. I don't know, Sean. You're kind of stretching me a little bit. I'm not ready for that. I ask you to wait as well. Don't be discouraged that you're not sensing his movement and don't assume he doesn't have anything for you. The spirit is moving among us. He is quickening our hearts. He is calling us to repentance, to evangelism, to worship. So if you're not enjoying this spark yet, then just wait but wait with anticipation. Seek Jesus. Expect that he will meet you and invite you. More than that, prepare to join Jesus wherever he calls you to join him. Ask him to come to fall afresh on you. Church, if the Spirit is stirring in you, understand while I'm asking you to wait, I'm not asking you to wait forever. If you are feeling the move of the Spirit, then be sure to come to one of the times we gather throughout our weeks. On Tuesday nights, we have prayer meeting down at 5.30 in the cafe. We've also got connection groups that meet throughout the week. We've got our Friday night sacred space event that uh, currently meets every other week. I don't think it's coming on this week, but then week after. You could also you know, just call a bunch of your own, your, your own friends and have them come over to your house, and you could talk and pray for a revival there. Wouldn't it be awesome? To hear about how the Spirit was poured out, not necessarily right here, this would be awesome as well, but in your living rooms, in your homes, as you gathered with other Christians throughout the week. When revival comes to your heart, it must be shared with your brothers and sisters in Christ. So today, we wait with anticipation. And later this week and the weeks that follow, we respond. We repent we evangelize we worship we share together now after saying all that there is one group that I don't want to wait you get you get free you're welcome everybody else has to wait but there's one group in here that we do not want to wait any longer if you have never given your life to Jesus if you've never claimed him as your Savior and Lord then you've waited long enough You must come forward today and allow one of our prayer team members to pray with you, the prayer of salvation. Don't miss out on heaven or all the amazing blessings Jesus has for you right now. If you feel an internal stirring that's causing your stomach to churn or emotions to rise, then come forward. Jesus is calling you into his kingdom. So as soon as the praise team comes up, which is coming up right now, and as soon as the music begins, if you are in this category, I want you to come forward right away and come and pray with our prayer team. Church, are you ready for a revival? Really? When the spirit calls, will you respond? Will you choose to join Jesus? My hope and prayer is that every one of us will enjoy revival and the great pleasure and privilege of working alongside Jesus as he builds and strengthens his kingdom. And again, all for his glory. Will you rise and respond to the Lord and what he's been saying to you in song? Heavenly Father, we thank you. What a gracious and merciful and awesome God you are. We are not worthy. (laughs) We're not worthy of your death for us. We're not worthy of salvation. We're not worthy of revival. But Lord, you know we need it. Lord, help us. Help us to open our hearts. Lord, help us to call out for you. And Lord, would you do us the amazing blessing reviving us having your way among us of allowing us to experience a fresh anointing of your spirit to build your kingdom and to strengthen your kingdom for your glory Isaiah 61 the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. And then down to verse 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation, and he has covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself like a a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels, for as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And God bless. If you don't know Jesus, now's the time. Come forward and receive him today. God bless you, church. Have a great week.